Hello everybody and welcome back to the Wizard's Pod. My name is Jay. And I am D and welcome to the third episode. How have you been since last time we recorded? I've been doing well. I posted a YouTube video. I have a YouTube channel. I'm a YouTuber. <laughs> Are we moving into advertisements? This is an no, ad-free no, podcast no. so far. We're not, we're not, I'm not going to say the name of my channel, but I have a YouTube channel. All right. And I made a video. I really liked it. Thank you. <laughs> I am looking forward to more videos from you, as well as to more podcast episodes. This is going to be a good one, I think. It'll be a very good one. But as you know, before we jump into the movie analysis, we have to talk about the first segment, which is news. Everyone's favorite segment. Everybody's favorite segment. I don't have anything too special this time, other than I wanted to tell you happy International Harry Potter Day. Is it today? Yesterday. But you know. Why? Let, let me think. Let me think. I'll let you guess. It was May 3rd. I May think 2nd. May 2nd. What happened on May 2nd? Was the first Harry Potter book released on May 2nd? Mm, nope. Not that I know of. Okay. Why is it International Harry Potter Day? In 2012, the British Prime Minister, the real one, not the fictional one, okay. uh, David Cameron declared May 2nd the International Harry Potter Day. Because this was the day on which, in 1998, the Battle of Hogwarts was fought. I see. It's pretty cool. There you go. Well, he chose it. a stupid date. Maybe that's why he didn't get elected again. There is a reason why he chose this date. He chose this date, he says, because he wants to remind young children and older adults as well of what it takes to... Be good to fight evil and just to celebrate the final battle of this very important book that changed you know let's just not get politics involved with books can we just have that that would be cool well whether you like it or not it is it was international harry potter day so happy international harry potter day cool. thank you well then let's move to what we enjoy doing best which is movie analysis now in the last episode, we talked about, you know, getting Harry into prepped for Hogwarts, bringing him all the way to the door to the Great Hall, but we stopped right before he got in. So in scene one that we will talk about today, we see Professor McGonagall welcoming the first year students in Hogwarts Great Hall, and they get sorted into their houses. Harry makes eye contact with Professor Snape. Uh, Professor Dumbledore gives them a warning, a couple of warnings, as a matter of fact. We get to see some ghosts. We get to see everyone enjoy an awesome meal. This is just a very high-level overview. So many things happen in this scene. And the first yeah. thing I want to mention is that the movie producers did a really good job at packing so much information, so many introduction, introductions, so many new concepts in such a short scene. And yet, the audience does not lose interest. Yeah, I agree. Like the floating candles and the ceiling that's open. It's just like it's described in the book. And the table with all the professors. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I know that you know this next part is coming. But I have to say it. Because it is kind of cool. 
I have been there. <laughs> of course. I have been in the exact <laughs> same place where they film the scenes in the Great Hall throughout the series. And I'd like to give some information about that place. Right. Where is it? It is in England, of course. But more specifically, it is in Oxford. And even more specifically, it is in Christ Church College. Uh, which scenes are filmed there, you might ask? I wanted to mention this first one last episode, but, you know, I didn't want to do it because I wanted to talk more about it today. <laughs> of course, the more airtime. Right. The first scene filmed there is the one where the first-year students are going up the stairs and we see Professor McGonagall mm -hmm. and her hand. We all think it's Snape, but it's not Snape. It's yep. McGonagall. That's one of the scenes filmed in Christchurch College. I do have a picture there. You can go to my Facebook. I've taken a picture at those stairs. All right. And it is, no, there is no CGI involved. It is as it seems. All right. Then the Great Hall is also in Christchurch. It is not called the Great Hogwarts Hall, obviously. It's called the Tudor Great Dining Hall. And the next scene that is also filmed in the same college is the one in which Hermione tells Harry that, look, your dad was a Quidditch champion. I see. Now, a few things I wanted to mention about the dining hall is that it is very, very similar to the one you see in the movies. The only difference, other than the ceiling not being enchanted, and the course, candles and the candles floating in the air, is that it is a little bit narrower, which makes sense. At Hogwarts, there is four houses, so each house will have their own long table. Yep. I believe when I got there, there were still four, but they were completely against the wall, the ones on the edges. I see. But for the movie, obviously, they have done some modifications movie and movie magic to make it to make it work. Also, when I went there, I ate at what I was convinced was the table where the Gryffindors eat. It doesn't matter if it was or not. I think you it were was. convinced. I was so convinced. That is what that's it, all that well, matters. That's what's important, yeah. Yes, and the tables, even though the movie was not being filmed on the day in which I visited this college, the tables were configured in the exact same way that they were when the movies were being filmed. Probably because, you know, they needed it from one day to another. Mm. When I got there in 2009, they had finished filming the fifth movie and they had started filming the Half-Blood Prince. That's cool. So there you have it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now, let me ask you a question. It's not a pop quiz, but it's something that I have been thinking about for a while now. And I'll give you my answer as well as the correct answer. All right. How many students attend Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry? We have an aerial view of the 262. students. I'll let you elaborate before I give you my take. I I think that's how many there are. Um, let's let's see. So in Harry's first year, there are around like ten students for each house, so around forty students. You know, during that year, seven times four, twenty-eight. That's why I said like two hundred and sixty to two hundred and eighty students. That's exactly what I have written down, and I am afraid that sometimes you may take a peek at my notes sure. while I'm setting up. Of course, that's that's what I do best. <laughs> that's exactly what I have, though. Uh, to confirm this number 10, you know, 10 new students per house per year, I looked closely 
at the movie and it is hard to count everybody yeah. because once you see you and you think you have everybody they'll move the camera to, from a different angle yep. but if you look closely at the table they have left some empty seats for newcomers mm -hmm. and you'll see that the table for example the gryffindor one has exactly 10 empty cups one on each side and this cool. is where the first year students will sit all right so what's the correct answer well the correct answer and the you know it changes every year i'm guessing right uh, well obviously yes yeah. you know some students probably drop out some students probably relocate and they attend another magic school i don't know yeah but like some, some student... year might have more some year might oh absolutely have so but what's the, the great answer look for the correct answer you have to ask jk rowling and in an interview a few years back she basically said that hogwarts has approximately 1000 students what i also did to come up with this 280 per you know, per year at Hogwarts, is that I counted, approximated the count, the head count of students in every table. And approximately, you'll see 35 students sitting on one side and 35 more on the other side of each table. Yeah. So about 70 per house. But, you know, in the movie, it is not 1,000, like it is supposed to be. And I'm okay with that because at least they're consistent throughout the movie. Yeah, yeah. Aren't they? I think so. So... But it is much more fun knowing that in the book there were 1,000 students. It's much more realistic. It makes it more diverse. It makes it more fun. It makes it more real. Sure. Well, since this was not a pop quiz, are you ready for one? Sure. Let's, let's do it. The question is, what house does Susan Bones get sorted in? Hufflepuff. Congratulations. Thank you. You just won one, one point for... <laughs> For your house that was a quick one point for that. slytherin i should have gotten more points for that but it's all right the, the actor that plays susan comes back in the second movie i don't know if she comes back later or not i haven't seen her but i don't I think she has her in the second movie during the defense against dark arts class for sure when both she's sitting with hermione and they're both admiring the new professor yeah. but we'll talk more about that when we get to that point I don't think she has any lines in the movie, does she? I don't think so. Oh, she's also in the herbology class. Yep, in the second movie, right? Yes, but now that I think of it, there is a problem. In the book, the Gryffindors usually have classes with Slytherins. Uh, it depends what class, though, so don't... Not okay, I will make a note. I'll make a note to see what yeah. happens in herbology in the second year. All right. If Susan is supposed to be there or not. But you did well. For sure, Susan is not supposed to be there with Draco. Because then you the have Gryffindors. Because then you have then at least three. Three classes. We three houses. Usually it's two houses. Yeah. Correct. So there you go. Um, the other thing I noticed while we were watching this scene is that Dumbledore does a very cheerful clap. And he even makes a toast when Harry Potter is sorted in Gryffindor, nope. uh, which I think I'm okay with, but it is clear that Dumbledore has a bias towards Harry Potter. No. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> and however, I can justify it because he's also very concerned. Keep in mind, Dumbledore, even at that point, early in the game, is the one who knows about the prophecy, is the one who knows a lot more about Voldemort, and he is genuinely worried that Harry might be sorted in Slytherin, which he's okay with, but 
he doesn't know if that will push his the Voldemort I mean, within I mean, him. That would show be up. that would be bad. Imagine like him being surrounded by kids of Death Eaters, a lot of Death Eater kids. I suppose. Uh, the other reason why I think Dumbledore is a little bit extra happy that Harry is a Gryffindor is because he himself was a Gryffindor. So, you know, Gryffindors cheers, cheer for sure. each other. So sure. that's sense. what everybody does. When the feast begins, after everybody's sorted, and then Dumbledore says, let's celebrate, let the feast begin, and you see the food pop up on the table. It's really awesome. There is a shot of Draco Malfoy. And in this one, you see that Draco is actually happy just like the other first-year students. He's smiling, he's reaching for the food. I want you to pay close attention to these scenes because they do start to get darker. Draco is less and less happy. He tries to prevent other friends of his to be cheerful and in a good mood in certain times as the movie progresses. Yeah, yeah. Which is great, I think, that they captured this. Yeah, Harry refused his handshake. I suppose. Draco Malfoy and the refused handshake. Have you thought about that? Uh, yes, <laughs> as a matter of fact. Also, another interesting thing I noticed was when we first see nearly headless Nick, Ron is reaching, I think, for a chicken wing or something yeah. of that kind. Well, one thing that I noticed was that Ron acts really surprised and kind of scared. Yep. A few milliseconds before Nick even shows up. I think they could have done a little bit of a yeah, better yeah, I've, job. Yeah, I've noticed there. that before. The CGI in the first movie is not great. Mm -hmm. And it has not withstood the test of time. And like we'll see in the Quidditch game especially. And mm -hmm. like when flying, it's just bad. Not, not, not very great. And like it is... It is in the middle of the day as well, which makes the CGI look worse because you can hide some imperfections at night. And if you play it in slow motion, actually, especially those flying scenes later on, you'll think that you are watching an animated movie. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly what yeah. it looks like. I agree. But back in the day, I did not notice. Yeah, I mean, CGI keeps getting better and our expectations of what it should look like change. Before we move away from a nearly headless Nick, I also wanted to mention the fact that he is present in the first and the second movie only. Whereas in the books, we see him pretty much in all of them. I think it's... And he plays a very major role to just do minor transitions or drop pieces of information or help introduce a new concept. Uh, he's a very fun guy. I wish they had kept him around at least for one line or two in every yeah, movie, but... Yeah. You know, he and was... they cut the death party scene from Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. So good, but it didn't help move the plot forward. Yeah, no, which doesn't. is why they did it. And before we move away from this scene, the last note I have is related to Peeves. Yeah, the Poltergeist. Peeves, he was supposed to be in this, in this, and they cut him off. Like they they recorded scenes with him and then cracks cut him off. He was supposed to be played by uh, Rick. Male. I don't know if you know who he is, but if you Google it, you will see the actor and you'll think, oh, yes, you'd have portrayed a really yeah. great Peeves. But he was not there. He was scrapped during the editing. The filming actually yeah. happened, um, you know, because of his uh, inconsequence for the plot and just to save time. The movie yeah. keeps getting longer. Um, before we move on, I wanted to talk about another scene here uh, where Harry sits and we see Percy. 
it's like very subtle, but like you can see Percy like giving a firm handshake to Harry. And you have Fred and George who are like, oh, welcome, welcome. And then you see Percy is like, oh, welcome. And you can see that he is different. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's one thing that I noticed. That's a very good observation. A couple other things from this scene. Like I said, there is so many. In the book, the Sorting Hat sings a different song to welcome the students at the beginning of every school year. Yeah. We don't see this in the movie. True. Uh, we do see in the second movie the Sorting Hat speak even when not placed on a student's head. Yeah. But other than that, you know, we do not see more uh, speech from the We also hat. don't hear the song. That is that is in the book Hogwarts, Hogwarts, Hogwarts. We will in movie four. Things. And then they try to do a movie three as well, but they do a a toad singing. Uh, let's not get there. That's <laughs> we, I, I don't know how long our episodes will get when we move to the third movie. I just have so much to say about it. <laughs> Another thing I noticed in this scene, since we're talking about ghosts and minor details that could have been missed, when the ghosts all show up at once. Somebody, I'm guessing one of the students, or maybe one of the other ghosts, says, oh, look at the Bloody Baron. The Bloody Baron is the Slytherin yep. ghost. Yep. He is pretty much never mentioned in the movies ever again. He never plays a role in the movies, even though we talk about, they talk about him a lot uh, in the books. Rowling does. Yep. But I just felt like yes i'm so glad that at least he was referenced and we see him he's wearing a long curly wig and he has a sword and he's just fighting with who knows who. we see him again we do i think he's not referenced as the bloody baron but i think we might see him again in this movie or in not, a not, one? i'm not sure if it's in this movie i don't i think in other movies we see him i'm not sure though but yeah i i noticed that as well but it, it he plays not an important role but he plays some role Hmm. in the books either way but yeah that, that's a good catch i like it do we have anything else about this scene and there is an editing error not not editing a continue continuity error there is a continuity error enlighten me um i think with the seating of ron and harry they switch between cuts it's just small it's very very little but they're sitting in hmm. one side and then they switch i just wanted to mention good it. observation we can move on now. Good job. All right, the next scene and the following ones are quite short. For example, we see Percy Weasley next leading the Gryffindor students to the Gryffindor Tower. And then on the way there, we see things like moving portraits, um, moving staircases, and so on. Uh, I want to emphasize one thing here. In the book, there is a small difference between the way that students enter the Gryffindor Tower compared to the movie. Hmm. Both, in both cases, they say a password, the portrait comes forward, but here is how it is described in the book. It's a crawl. Yes. Yeah, it's not walking. The portrait, and I'm quoting, the portrait swung forward to reveal a round hole in the wall. They all scrambled through it. Neville needed a leg up. So the kind of climb Yep. And it's a crawl space. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in the movie, they make it look very comfortable. It's the reason why Ginny and Dean split in the sixth book. Why? Ah, it's, it's, it's a long story, but like Ginny tells him, oh, don't push me when I'm crawling through. I can go through it myself. Huh. And I didn't know that. Up. 
I think they had bigger issues than that. <laughs> oh, look at that. That's a good observation. There are more things I have to say about the entrance to the Gryffindor Tower. Please wait for the third movie. It just makes me pull my hair out every time. But as far as the first movie goes, they did a good job. All right, I'm going to pull a pop quiz on you now. Uh-oh. What is the first password that they use? Caput Dragones. I don't know if that's correct or not. <laughs> that is correct. We'll verify it, but yes. All right. The first and the second <clears throat> movie are the ones that I think I know by heart. At maybe 95 to 96%. All right, all right. I'll, I'll make... I'll come up with more quizzes on the fly. Make them more difficult and no multiple choice for extra bonus points. All right. Then the next scene is the one in which we are introduced for the first time to the Gryffindor Tower. All right, pop quiz number two. What happens if you try to go up the stairs and you're a boy and you try to go up the stairs? that lead to the girls part of the dormitory they turn into a slide oh my god and you just cannot go up but the opposite does not happen if girls yeah. decide to go to the boys dormitories look at you i two for two it's well, impressive let me surprise you with a fact i read <laughs> congratulations thank you <laughs> i mean we're talking about the harry potter yeah, yeah movies yeah. which are based on books we have read and overread but good one though Right. If you hadn't read the books multiple times or years ago, maybe you would not remember that fact. But let me respond to your pop quiz with my own pop quiz. Are maybe you ready? Maybe we should have an episode where we pop quiz each other. <laughs> maybe we should. All right. On which side are the boys' dormitories and on which side the girls? I think it's boys to the left and girls to the right. Congratulations. But I think it is the other way in the books like in my mind in the books it's the other way it's boys to the right girls to the left actually they are the same okay yeah but i remembered what the movie one was and do you have anything to say about the setup of that I, room i liked it but here is where i have an issue with that 1000th number oh yeah. yeah like the common room is way too small and we have both been in college and you know a common room for 250 people that's that small, I don't think it would work. You so know? you don't think that 250 students will fit in there? It, see, like, the the common area is not supposed to fit all the students, right? But it's supposed to fit maybe, like, 20 to 30% of the students. Sure, yeah, that's fair. But 30% of almost... You know, 300 is 100. 300 is 100. Still I don't think 100 students yeah. could comfortably sit in. There. Yeah. So that that was my biggest issue with. But that. it's too small. Remember, in the book, in the movie, there are only 70, approximately 70 students. Yeah, in yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's perfect size. Yeah, but like, I don't know why J.K. Rowling just comes up and brings more numbers and facts. I will like give her credit, actually, and, because no, let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about the plumbing. <laughs> but as far as the number goes, 1,000 students make sense because Hogwarts is one of the few wizarding schools that we know of. So you'd think that 1,000 students think, seems, seems like a decent number. I think that's the reason why she came up 
with 1,000. Yeah, and it's and I'm okay with it. Yeah, the movie could not obviously make 1,000 students. It would just be more messy. It would not be too. But yeah, let, let's cinematic. Move, let's move on. This was the only complaint that I had. I really like the next scene though. Oh yes, the next one is the one where we see Harry sitting alone by the window while the rest of his fellow students are sound asleep. Well, okay, before before we go to that sad part, I like the fact that you just bring your luggage and it transports itself upstairs. That is so cool. Like elves just using their magic and they're like, I can't, I can, you know, teleport within Hogwarts. I'll just carry those upstairs. And that is, that is so cool. I don't know if, you know, there are elves or any kind of other housekeeping employees who will you know help you keep track of your stuff because you would enjoy if you're at hogwarts this perk of somebody else bringing your luggage but i don't know if you Maybe, keep things yeah. in the luggage for too long no one would you need to unpack Duh. i don't know if you <laughs> keep stuff where it was supposed to be let's All put right. it that way would you no probably not having someone to put my stuff away <laughs> is my dream just you know Anything else you have to say about this scene? Because I do have a couple of things. All right. Uh, well, I have a couple of things. Like, All right. Go ahead. Uh, first, it's a theme that is later developed by Alfonso Cuaron more and more in the third movie. But it's like this idea that, you know, Harry is kind of alone. You know, and we see him like everyone is sound asleep and happy. But Harry is in this new world. You know, his parents then mm -hmm. take him to the train station. All he's learning about magic, he's learning either through Ron or Hagrid mm -hmm. or other students, but mainly through Ron and Hagrid and Hermione, surprisingly. Uh, <laughs> and that's, you know, like you see him just now he has a friend, Hedwig, not talking about Ron yet. We don't know. But yeah, it just, it just, you know, and he's just looking out of the window and... There are a couple of things that are mentioned in the book that are not mentioned in the You're movie. You're going to talk about the dream. Yeah, the dream with the green light and the scar hurting when he sees Quirrell. It hurts here as well, right? But in the... And this is where it goes to the fact that those are actually mystery novels and not just, you know, magical novels or whatever. But in the dream, he sees the back of Professor Quirrell's head talking or something like that. And you know, that is foreshadowing to, hey, look, this is, it's giving you hints. Look, this is the bad guy. It's not Snape, even though we're misleading you to think it's Snape. And when he wakes up, he does not remember the dream. Yep, that's true. That's also mentioned in the book. Yep. Yeah, those are very good detailed analysis that you made. When we see Harry sitting alone by the window, it's not just because he's alone and all of that, but in the movie, this is still the same day that was two episodes ago. True. This is still his birthday, technically. True. And this is where we have a plot hole, which is this. Yeah, September 1st and Oh, July besides 31st. that, okay. that is we for sure. That. that stands up. We cover that in episode one or two. The plot hole is this. We said that Hogwarts Express leaves sharply at 11. It was one of the pop quizzes in which you excelled. Now, let's say that 
Hagrid picked Harry up around one in the morning because at midnight he just came through the door sure. and then they talked to the Dursleys. If they left, not even midnight, if they left at 1230, 30 minutes after midnight, they would have had less than 12 hours, maybe 11 and a half hours to go to London. When they go to London, we see that it's daylight. It's, it looks like it's 7 a.m., people going to work or whatever. Sure. So they have from 7 to 11 or maybe 10 30 that's not bad it is bad but how can Come they on. how can they do from 7 to 10 30 go to wait a minute go to the bank go get him a wand go get him a uh, hedwig eat lunch hedwig, with harry hedwig and the bank were and the wand were done simultaneously okay how about the robe he goes and he gets his robes he gets fitted for the robes not in the movie how about they go and eat lunch I think it is doable. How can they eat lunch when it's 11 o'clock that Hogwarts Express leaves? I, I think it is doable. No, I don't think it's doable. Three and a half hours, you can get all the shopping done that you need. You can make your own robes. I can. It's magic. Even with magic, I, d I just don't think it's enough. And in the book, it's great because they don't do everything. You no, know, because day. like it's not like you're going to choose the robes. You know, you just go in and you're like, okay, give me the uniform. Boom, done. All right. The one chooses you. Boom, done. Okay, what are the books for the first year? Here are the books for the first year. I'm telling you, if Hogwarts Express did not leave at 11 a.m., but let's say it left at 4 p.m., I think it's doable. But we all know it leaves at 11, so there we have it. Other than this small plot hole, everything else is cramped into one day in a very nice way in the movie. In the next few scenes... We are going to talk about first classes. Should we move to our first class? Yeah, let's do it. The first class we ever see at Hogwarts is Transfiguration taught by Professor McGonagall. What are your first impressions? Well, in the books, I don't believe that Professor McGonagall is transformed into a cat. Oh, she isn't? I don't think so. Because okay. I remember in the second book, she transforms in front of everyone and she doesn't get her. Is it the second or the third? I think it's the third book. She transforms in front of everyone and they're like, oh, I usually get claps. And they had just come back from Transfiguration and they were all sad because they thought Harry was going to die. Yada, yada. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that that's the reason why I remember I think, that now. Yeah. So I think I think she she's not transformed. But the threat, I think, is the same in the in the book, where she's like, oh, maybe I should transform one of you into a watch. Oh, we lost our way. Okay, maybe a map. And yeah, they actually got lost because they couldn't find the classes and, you know, entrances that move and things like that. What do you have to say about the room, the classroom in which they teach transfiguration? I think it's kept the same from the first and the second mm -hmm. one. I don't remember the other ones. I don't think we go to transfiguration a lot <laughs> we go to transfiguration in the first in the second we go to transfiguration indirectly i think when they go to talk to mcgonagall but not maybe during class oh and we go to transfiguration during fantastic beasts crimes of grindelwald and they do actually keep the class pretty much the same pretty much That's the cool. same and i like it when there is yeah, continuity yeah. between movies Another thing I wanted to mention from this scene is that one more time we see the same pattern repeating itself. 
Professor McGonagall cheers for all of her Gryffindors, but she is fair, unlike Severus Snape. Yeah. Unlike Snape, you know, who probably would have given Harry and Ron detention for being late on the first day of class, the very first class at Hogwarts. Uh, and maybe, you know, he would have awarded Draco bonus points for just being late and pretty. No, I, uh, I think that's stretching it, but okay. Yeah. Okay, do you agree that Professor Snape has preferential treatments towards the Slytherins, yes. And if something is done wrong by, let's say, a Gryffindor and a Slytherin, he would apply a double standard and punish the Gryffindor yeah, way more than the Slytherin. Yeah, but not, you know, Particularly not give points, But not give points, though. Uh, just... Well, I was joking. All right. So, there you have it. Should we move on to another class? Have we had enough transfiguration, or do you have something else to say? Hermione is taking a lot of notes. A lot. Like, for no reason. It's the first day of class. Who takes <laughs> notes in the first day of class? A lot of students do. Yeah, whatever. All right, let's move on <laughs> to the next class. Well, the next class is the class of the head of your house. Thank it's, you. Uh, potions. Snape actually does remind me, when I think about it, of at least two of my professors, one of which teaches chemistry. So, you know, potions is like chemistry for muggles. Hmm. So maybe it's... It's more complicated. Yeah. Chemistry, I mean. It is more complicated, but so is so are potions. I mean, come on, an entire book. It's like making books... it's like making a soup. <laughs> nothing more, nothing less. My desserts are more complicated than their potions. Let's put it this way. Can I make your desserts as good as you make them? Yes. No. Because both... I do them with love. <laughs> there you go. There you go. My point is in the book, they do make it seem like potions, and in the movie, potions are exact science. Or out of all the things that they teach at Hogwarts, the most exact science, I think, is potions. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Which is probably why Snape takes extra pride, even though he really wants to teach defense against the dark arts. Who knows why? Because he, you think, is smart enough to know that that position is cursed, and he that would be the last year he teaches. So why would he want last that? Last year but... that he teaches defense against the dark arts. But there is no history of professors who moved away from... Snape. He got promoted. Exactly. No, 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 no. no. He didn't <laughs> okay. go back to teaching something, right. did he? All right. But that's a fair point to be considered. <laughs> a few things that I have to say about Snape. Actually, the actor that portrays Snape, Alan Rickman. Rickman. He's an absolutely great actor. If I think they teach the power of pauses in college, they should just play some clips from Alan Rickman movies, not just Harry Potter, but some yeah. other ones as well. I'm thinking of Alice in Wonderland. His voice, his pauses are just powerful. Maybe I should take a lesson from him. Do you see that? Do I do. Good job. Did? Good Thank job. You. Thank you. <laughs> also, here's another fun fact. I think you know this. Alan and J.K. Rowling had a separate conversation yeah, yeah, I before know. he played about, Professor like, Snape. About his whole arc. And he so... was told about the arc, but he didn't tell anybody else. Nobody told anybody what the arc was, but he did tell people that I know something and I'm going to base my acting off of this. Yep. And I'm so glad they had the conversation because you can see now that you know this conversation happened that yes. Snape is just 
horrible. Wait, are you talking about the movie Snape, the book Snape, the Snape, Snape. in general? Just horrible. Justify your position, please. Like, you know, the, the actor I mean, that agree, plays but... it is great, but Jesus, like, he's portrayed in the end like a good guy, but he was... He was so mean to Harry, like, and not just for Harry, obvious but, reasons. Well, what not obvious justi- reasons? Not justifiable. They're not obvious in the first movie, but they do become obvious as we go. But it doesn't make sense, though. Like, first, there was this girl that I liked, but she didn't like me back. Now I'm gonna beat on her son. No, that was not it. No, he was because bullied. she married. No, he was bullied by James. Yeah, but what did the kid ever gang. do to him? Exactly. That's why. That's, that's what. Why that's why he is a horrible, horrible. Wizard. Professor, <laughs> did you did you see? Was the pause oh, too long? Maybe too I, long. I Maybe too long. <laughs> I will give you that. There was no reason to torture Harry, but knowing that he is kind of protecting Harry most of the time, while sure. still, you know, trying to separate him from the shadow of his father and the ghost of his father is, uh, you know, something that maybe justifies him a little bit, but not fully. And Harry is keeping notes in this class. He is keeping notes following, and he's being mocked for it. Following the bad example set by Hermione <laughs> in <laughs> the transfiguration the way, class. Who, by the way, Snape calls foolish girl, I believe, in the book. Because he asks Harry these questions he know he has yeah. no idea about. And then she keeps raising her hand, yeah. being smart. And I think he may even duck some points from Gryffindor in the book. But I'm at, not at positive. Some point, not in the movie. At some point, he does. Of course, you answered my question. Why not, right? That's what he does for a living. All right, let's take a few breaks from classes. You know, they could be tiring. And let's move again back in the Great Hall and have a fun scene in which Seamus Finnegan performs his first blow-up-ass spell. Uh, Neville in the scene also received his remember all, and the Daily Prophet newspaper reports a break in at Gringotts Bank. Let's talk about Seamus first. Do you sure. remember what the spell is? This is not a pop up quiz, I'm just wondering. Something, 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 turn this water into rum. Okay, I'll give you 50%. <laughs> the spell is Eye of Rabbit, Harp, String, Hum, turn this water into rum. And he repeats it multiple times, just like he does every single time. And fair enough, he blows up. Well, he doesn't blow up, but something blows up. He does his hair yeah. and makeup. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be a repeating pattern all the way to the end, to the last movie. And I like it that they remembered this. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, the post is delivered using owls. That's a very beautiful scene. It's very cool how the owls know exactly where to go and where exactly to drop the deliveries. And Harry reads in this scene the Daily Prophet. Here's what I don't like about the owls. Okay, before we talk about Daily Prophet then. Yeah, like they you just tell them the person and they go and find the person. Magic. Yeah, but like couldn't the ministry use it to find, you know, Voldemort or Sirius Black when he escapes or bellatrix lestrange or anyone that they wanted you know just send this letter to voldemort wishing him good health (laughs) goodbye (laughs) you know and then just follow the owl with a broom yeah it's one of the plot holes Um, i'll do some more digging just trying to find a reasonable explanation to fix this but yes it is a plot hole 
you don't see it right away, but as we go into the fourth movie, especially when Sirius Black is on the run. Yes, definitely. Yeah, either way. But yeah, they deliver the mail, but they see that the vault that was holding the the Philosopher's Stone... You mean the Sorcerer's Stone? Sure. Uh, <laughs> ...was broken into. And um, this is where the mystery starts, you know? Well, it started with yeah. Hagrid not telling, but then yeah. like you see, you know, you're like, okay, what, what did this vault have? And then we added more to the mystery when Dumbledore tells them that the right-hand side of the third yep. floor corridor is out of bound. Yep, it just hints and hints and hints. But definitely this is a major one. Yeah, um, but you see you see the pieces coming together. And one piece that we see coming together is Ron, Harry, and Hermione. They're not friends yet, but they happen to be together. And there is a uh, shot of Hermione just wondering when Harry reads out loud about this news, hmm, what could be happening? So you would think, even if you haven't seen the movie before, that... They might end up being friends or... But they act characters. way closer in this scene than they ever act in the books. Not I think. too close. Yeah. They're still sitting together and, you know, they seem to be discussing that matter together. But how? why would they not sit together? Here's the thing. There are only 10 new Gryffindors every year. Ron didn't like Hermione. He thought she was, and I quote, mental. But it like, doesn't mean that he hated her. I, I don't say he hated her. I just don't think he liked her at this point. And they become friends after a few adventures. And after the troll breaks into Hogwarts. That's that's their make it moment. I just feel like first years usually hang out with one another. But yeah, and it makes sense. They have classes together, so it makes sense that they go and eat lunch together. I agree. I agree. Let's move on to the next scene in which we attend our first flying lesson class. And Harry confronts Draco. And of course, we learn that Harry Potter is a natural at flying. I'll start this section with a question. What happened to Madame Hooch, who teaches flying? She just disappeared after the first movie. Did something happen to the actor? Did she go somewhere? No, she was just paid for the first movie. She didn't have a contract for more. They could have renewed it. They just didn't. Because in the books, she is in way more. She is. But if you think about it, she doesn't play a fundamental role into moving the plot forward. No. But I really enjoyed her. They could have kept her just for a couple lines again, just to give us that idea of Hogwarts, Hogwarts, mighty wordy Hogwarts. I agree. I agree. Another thing related to Madame Hooch is this. When she walks in, between students standing next to their broomsticks, she says, Good afternoon, class. Good afternoon, Amanda. Now, the question I've always had is, who is Amanda? Who is this Amanda? Why would she know who Amanda is? And how would she just know that there is a student in the class, even if she didn't know her face, named Amanda, when she's attending her first flying class ever with Madame Hooch? I think I have the answer to this. Please go ahead. Uh, I don't remember. I think there is a student named Amanda. I don't know her last name, though. And my explanation is that she knew Amanda outside of school. Yeah, small world. And it is a small world, right? Like, we know, for example, when Harry's kids go to Hogwarts, they're like, hey, give Neville a hug. And they're like, well, Neville is actually Professor Longbottom when we're at school, Dad. We cannot just go and give him a hug. So my guess is that, you know, 
they were friends with their parents and you know amanda was the kid and it was like oh hey amanda well i hope amanda made it because we don't hear about her ever again i think she did i hope she did <laughs> as you mentioned previously in this scene we also see a lot of flying and particularly when Neville first starts flying and almost falls, we see the really bad CGI. Another thing, though, that I'd like to mention here is that we see one thing that Harry is good at. Flying. Like, so far, we have seen him good, be good at nothing. You know, like We've Hermione... Seen that he's a good person. Yeah, but, like, That's Hermione, all. like, outdoes him at everything. She outdoes everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and... In the books, it's mentioned that Hermione is reading books about Quidditch and the history of Quidditch and how to fly, and Harry is just a natural at it. But and we also see that Malfoy is pretty good at flying, and it's mentioned in the books as well. You know, like, he was pompous about a lot of things, but he was actually pretty good at flying. So, Since you mentioned Hermione reading a lot about Quidditch and literally everything else, she also reads a lot and knows a lot about Harry Potter. There is a line where basically Ron tells Harry, she knows more about you than you do about than you yourself. Do about yourself. Yeah, something like this. Yeah. And then Harry says, who doesn't? Yeah. Another thing I wanted to mention is one of my favorite lines of the series or the movie when Harry does not listen to Hermione and just decides to go and follow Draco up in the sky. What says, an idiot. <laughs> it's just funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's she's really good at delivering like those one-liners. A good actress. She was the best actress out of the three main actors, I think. Well, don't give those awards away because we're gonna have a special episode where we're gonna all give right, awards right. away. But yes, I agree. I take it back, one quick. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Emma Watson is a very good actress from the get-go. I don't have anything else to say about this scene. Do you have anything to add before we move on into what happens with Harry next and his flying career? Um, the cheering is kind of, you know, half done. It's it's not very well done. Like after Harry catches the ball, I think that part is well done in front of Professor McGonagall's office. Like really, really well done. Even the CGI is fine. But when he flies down, we kind of see like, all the students being happy and all of that while, you know, I don't expect the Slytherins to be happy that he caught it, but maybe they don't have that rivalry yet. So I don't know, maybe all the students would be happy that, you know, he made it. But I just found that interesting that every student is kind of like cheering him and praising him. He is the famous Harry Potter after all. So maybe all the students did, but I just thought I'd mention this. What I find interesting about this scene is a small plot hole and the plot hole is how did McGonagall get from sitting in her office all the way down that fast it wasn't it wasn't that fast you know like Harry, Harry goes down and he's cheering yeah, it's like 30 seconds to go down yeah but it's it's a movie like you know they have no time no I understand time that. Passed. but anyway in the next scene we see Harry Potter becoming the youngest Quidditch seeker in a century yeah. we are also introduced to Oliver Wood, the Gryffindor Quidditch team captain. It's it's kind of funny because in the book, like when when McGonagall comes and picks up Harry and she's like, all right, I'm going to come with me. And he thinks he's being expelled. And we all do. Yeah. They all do. Yeah. And she goes to, she goes to Professor Quirrell's class and she's like, 
can I have wood, please? And even in the movie or in the book, like every time she said that, like my first reaction was like, okay, she's going to beat Harry up. I and, never thought that. And it's, Why did it's, your mind go there? I, I don't know, but I feel like it's Harry's reaction as well, if I remember it correctly. But like, you know, huh. wood, like he's, she's getting a piece of wood to punish him. <laughs> something like that that oh was God. that was my thought but that then like, funny. but then we learned that wood is the captain of the quidditch team and you know she's like hey i found you a seeker and we learned that uh you know gryffindor hasn't had a good seeker since charlie weasley left another thing i noticed in the room where professor quarrel is teaching is that this is the only movie in which that room looks different from the second movie and then onward, no matter how they change it and who's teaching, it's still the same room. Interesting. Including the Fantastic Beasts movies. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, now that you mentioned it, yeah, it is. It is different. Yeah. I don't expect them to have that continuity and from the beginning. And we also never but... see Harry have a class with Quirrell. This is how much we see Quirrell teach in the movie. Yeah. That's it. Teaching another class. Yeah. He doesn't do. Students. He doesn't do a lot of teaching. No, he's busy doing other things in yeah. the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds so bad. <laughs> well, you know, he's just trying to yeah, yeah, yeah. find just, ways just to it. keep yeah. Voldemort alive. That's what I meant. <laughs> All right. Scene 10 in the list today is the one in which we find out that Harry Potter's father, James Potter, had a pretty good Quidditch career when he was at Hogwarts. Yeah. Now... Let's start from the beginning of this short scene. Nearly Headless Nick is the one that in the movie breaks this news to the audience. He basically says, and I quote... In the book, you mean? Yeah. In the movie. In the movie? In the movie, Nearly Headless Nick right. is just flying by with oh, another yeah, lady yeah, yeah, ghost, yeah, yeah. and she I know, says... Now I know. Have yeah. you heard? Yeah. Harry Potter is the new Gryffindor seeker. Yeah. I always knew he'd do well. And this line always makes me laugh because Nick is such a fun character. He's always cheering for the Gryffindors. But how the heck did he know that Harry Potter yeah, would do well? Yeah, he likes to get days. credit for things. Absolutely. Also, like this is kept a secret that Harry is selected as a seeker until like until he gets the broomstick at least. You know, and here it's kind of just like paraded around. They're afraid of Snape's wrath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and as you know, I'm just gonna introduce this point and I'll let you take it away. There is a plot hole which will be introduced later into the Fantastic Beast movies. What is that? Here we have a view of some trophies from the past, students who have played Quidditch. We see that James Potter's name is there. We also see McGonagall. Minerva McGonagall's name there. Yeah, yeah, and like... the year is 1971, which tells you that she was probably born sometime in the 60s or maybe 50s, probably 60s. First of all, like the movie takes place in a different time frame than the book. Like we should keep that in mind, right? Well, why do the, you say that? Because like the cars that are used, the way that things look. We see only the flying car in the second movie and, you know, Wizards would not think that's an old model. Plus, if you connect it to the Fantastic Beasts movies, they are right on point with the timeline. You know, it's right before the second world even, war. Even in the Fantastic Beasts one, like, McGonagall is not supposed to be there. Oh, but that's the plot hole I'm introducing. She yeah. is a plot hole. Everything else I'm yeah, okay yeah. with. Like, McGonagall is not supposed to no. be teaching in Fantastic Beasts. No. And it was a stupid, please the fans, 
cameo that served absolutely no purpose and it was dumb. How did they not think about it? They, it's just like, you know, crowd pleasing. Oh, we're just going to mention McGonagall and, you know, show the viewers someone that they know. I would have been okay if McGonagall at the time was a student because in the books it is mentioned that McGonagall was young enough to have had Albus Dumbledore as her professor. So why not have her as a student? Don't take me wrong. In Fantastic Beasts, the actress that played McGonagall did a very good job, and she it looked doesn't like matter. McGonagall. But no, it, it for those diehard fans, this is not. Yeah, I don't right. think uh, a good uh, addition. Yeah. But I feel like we're talking more about the Fantastic Beasts movie at this point. Let's come back to the Sorcerer's Stone. Do you have anything else to say about this scene? I don't. I just like the fact that. Hermione is the one to tell Harry, like, hey, look, your dad was famous. Mm -hmm. Not famous, but, like, he was good at Quidditch. And it's so great because the Dursleys throughout the years have basically told Harry that, you know, his father was a loser and was horrible. And this is one of the very first and few times in which he has a connection with the legacy of his dad. Yep. (laughs) Legacy, good and bad. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get to that, too. Now, in the next scene, we see our trio... Hermione, Ron, and Harry accidentally encountering Fluffy, the three-headed dog. All right, we are introduced to another spell in this scene, and that is... Alohomora. Yes, the charm that unlocks doors and locks in general. Here's a question I have for you. How is it possible that they would have locked the door in such a way that a simple charm that Hermione read Somewhere in a book. A first year it. student who was born in a Muggle family. Was able had... to go past it. Yeah. How is that possible? You know, they don't really think about that. You know, oh, we're just going to leave this door and we're going to tell students not to go in there. We Nuh-uh. should guarantee you nope. that at least, you know, out of 1,000 students, at least, you know, 50 would try to. We have to also acknowledge that the reason why they got there was not because they were intentionally looking for trouble, but the staircases were moving. Something that I miss in the later movies. They don't make a bigger deal about it. Do you know why they go there in the books, though? Because they're hiding from Filch. And what are they doing when they're hiding from Filch? They go into the room where Fluffy is? No. Um, Please enlighten me. They Draco has challenged Harry to a duel. Oh, I think I remember. And Hermione chases them yes. out of the out of the okay. Gryffindor Tower. And then the fat lady is not there. And then Neville is out as well. Forgetting and Neville the password, goes, probably. He didn't know the password. And Neville goes with them. There are four of them and they go to the trophy room. But Draco had tipped Filch off that some students would be in the trophy room, so they're escaping from Filch, and that's how they end up. Good, very good point. I did not remember that. Sorry, that's a good point. I forgive you. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. You're so kind. Thank you. (laughs) Shall we move on into more details of of the scene? Yeah, I I think we can like combine this and the last one together. Well, the whole running away. You know, since you mentioned the fact that they did not include this scene in the from the book in the movie, Draco challenging Harry and so on yeah, and yeah. so forth, I think they still did a good job in the in the movie because 
they do a good transition. First, Hermione is the one to tell Harry about his dad being a Quidditch player, and then they're walking together, and then you see them together going up. Sure, sure, so, sure. I know that you thought you were done with pop quizzes, but I do have one more. I'm ready. Where did Hermione learn this Alohomora spell? What book and what chapter? It is mentioned in the movie. Right? Charms, chapter three. <laughs> Standard book of spells, chapter seven. All right. Whenever you have to guess a number and it has to be relatively low, in this universe, yeah, seven. it is seven. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The next scene is the one in which our trio is back at the Gryffindor Tower and they are talking well, among let's themselves talk about, about Fluffy. Fluffy. Let's talk about That's Fluffy. That's why I wanted to introduce yeah. it next because yeah, they're yeah. talking about Fluffy. Yeah. So, like, take it away. I like the CGI for Fluffy. It's pretty good, isn't it? Compared to the previous yeah, ones. Yeah, we yeah, talked yeah. About. yeah. It's. It's decent and like the dark, like the dark atmosphere, like that helps a lot. But you know, again, keeping a beast that can tear little kids or grown men apart, (laughs) just you know, locked behind one door. Like, couldn't they have you know the uh, the plant first and then have Fluffy? You know, you you need to get past the plant. But either way, okay. Here's I'll give you a pop quiz. Do you know which country Fluffy comes from? I am not sure. Unless you... You can guess. Dragons usually come from Bulgaria or Romania. It doesn't doesn't matter. Dragons can come from anywhere. Well, in this this series, usually. Uh, But they also come from Norway, I guess. So, yeah, you're right. Let's just say that the three-headed dog comes from from switzerland or germany greece well i was a little you bit can off. you can check me you can uh, is it because of like greek mythology and... i i think so okay i think so but i'm pretty sure it comes from greece okay okay um i i'll look it up well while you look it up i'll mention um a couple other things i guess we are told in this scene by hermione after they go back actually to gryffindor tower that Fluffy is hiding something, which again is another um, Hermione moment. She is the one that observes things. And basically, while Ron and Harry are just so shocked and running for their lives, Hermione is very uh, paying attention to, to, to the fine details. All right. So for Fluffy in mm-hmm. the movie, Harry got <clears throat> Hagrid got him from an Irish fella while in the book he got it from a greek guy okay so well good job yeah now before they go to bed that night after but yeah hermione notices that he is sitting on top of something you know yes she's very observant she's very observant it's really good i have to read the dialogue between hermione and ron before they go to bed because again it's one of those gems that I really like. Yeah, one of those one-liner zingers. Oh, yeah. Hermione says, Now, if you two don't mind, I'm going to bed before either of you come up with another clever idea to get us killed. Or worse, expelled. She needs to get her priorities straight. (laughs) And Ron says she needs to sort out her priorities. Very funny lines. Both of them not just make you smile or laugh, but also they show a lot about 
the two different characters that these two I don't know uh, how they end up have. together. Well, you know, sometimes different yeah. uh, characters complement one another. <laughs> but yeah. And they go to bed, and this is where our third episode basically comes close to an end. This is the movie analysis part that we conclude. The very last and short segment of this podcast is the one called Favorite Spell in the Movie Segment and in the movie so far. Now, we've had only two spells in this segment, and those are... Alohomora and something, 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 something. <laughs> it's not something, something. It's Eye of Rabbit, Harp String, Hum, Turn This Water into Rum. Uh, I think it's a very trivial answer, but what is your favorite among the two? I think we should name the episode something, something, <laughs> dot, 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 Turn This Water into Rum. It just would be too long. That's the only problem. Okay, then dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Turn this water into rum. <laughs> okay, maybe I'll think about it. But yeah. But among these two spells, just... I'm guessing our favorite one is Alohomora. No, no, no. Mine is the turn this water How into rum. Is that possible? Because last week or two weeks uh, hey, ago, I changed. I don't care what I said. You were giving me a hard time about sunshine daisies, butter mellow, turn this stupid fat red yellow, and yet now you're saying that it's too powerful of a spell. Oh God. Like Alohomora is an overpowered spell. It can literally open anything, almost anything. It's well, stupid. You better remember this spell because next week we're going to do another favorite spell segment and you might have to come back to it unless there is no new spell right. in the next 20 minutes. I don't know. We'll see. But for me, it's Alohomora. That's where I stand so far. All right. That's my new favorite spell. And I think that concludes the third episode of our podcast. Can you believe we make it? we made it so far? I can. Well, we have more work ahead. So we'll come back with a fourth episode. All you have to do to listen to the fourth episode is to solemnly swear that you're up to no good. And subscribe and leave a like and a comment. All right. Bye. <laughs>